0: Uh, the message that I'm going to share with you today, I, I only get to preach this in the first service because I think we have eight water baptisms in the second service, so they're going to be preaching. Uh, with their t- and I don't know if that's good news for you or bad news for you. Uh, it, I guess you're blessed or not, depending on your perspective of listening to me talk about the Word of God. Uh, but have you noticed that when you're young, time seems to take forever. And that the older you get, the minutes that took forever when you were young. I, in this congregation particularly, I see a lot of heads nodding as we begin. It took forever to graduate from high school. I don't know what happened. And the next 12 years go a little slower. And then from then on, it yeah. just it flies. It flies. But today, I want to talk to you for just a few moments about what you do with your choices in time. Heavenly Father, we recognize today that this is your house, it's your church, we are your people. There may be some here today who have not made that decision to become your people, and there probably are many that are watching online as this is being live-streamed into their homes that may not have made that decision that they are your people. And I pray that today, through the influence of your word, through your messenger, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, today that you would begin to lean hearts toward home as we begin to look at the decisions that we make and the choices that you've allowed us to make and how we apply those things within our life. And so I pray your anointing on this. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: We tend to think of life
0: in in large chunks. We celebrate years. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. We rarely celebrate months. We rarely celebrate weeks, and and rarely do we ever celebrate dating, our our days. Unless, of course, I've I've had conversations, having worked with youth for a number of years, I've discovered that that youth will celebrate dating if they've dated a week or a month. And if they make it to two months, I mean, that's flowers and a a big night out. I I tell youth all the time, if you are celebrating two months in a relationship, you set the bar a little too low. Uh, We're aiming for stuff that's a little bit better than that. Uh, I'm just saying, but, but you know that, that minutes often fly by without being recognized. How many minutes are in the average lifespan? Well, there's 525,600 minutes in a year.
1: One-third of those you will
0: sleep through. Another one-third of those you will basically be doing things that you don't remember. So basically, one-third of the minutes of your life, you have the ability to be fully present and if you live 70 years, you will have 3,679,200 or 79,200 minutes. And I look at that number and I recognize that's way too many minutes to pay attention to. How can we possibly be responsible for maximizing all of the minutes of your life? But inside those minutes, there's something that's more significant. They are called... Moments.
1: And today, interesting enough, you're not going to get to the text of my message. Shall I get to the second point? I'm just going to hold that out for you.
0: You're not even going to know what the scriptural reference is until we get them, because the first point is this: we need to learn to recognize moments that we have within our life. I'm really convinced that what really matters in our life is not the minutes, but the moments, because we know that minutes and moments don't carry the same equal weight. In the middle of those minutes, there are moments that change everything. In fact, what you will discover over your lifetime is that there are five or six defining moments in your life in decisions that you make within those moments that you can attach just about every memory of your life to. Those five or six defining moments. And behind that defining moment is what I would submit to you this morning is a divine moment. You see, those five or six defining moments are actually designed by God to be divine moments where He gave you an opportunity to unleash a future that is waiting for you depending on how you choose in that moment. How many of you love good movies? few of you do. How many of you have watched the same movie that you really love more than ten times? Wow, there's a lot of hands. I should never be afraid to preach a sermon more than once then, Since, since you love good movies that much. You begin to recognize in the movies that you love that there are compelling moments, and they move from one moment to another moment to another moment. And I've discovered that the movies that are really painful to sit through are those that are filled with minutes but have no moments, nothing memorable about them, nothing that captures us, nothing that brings us to the end of it, because in movies that are filled with moments, we, at the end of those, sit down and we go, wow, that went way too fast. So what makes a minute and turns it into a moment? It's the power of a moment is the choice that you make in it. What makes a minute a moment is the choice that you make in that moment. If I were to ask each of you today, what is the most spiritual thing that you do? Many of you may respond with answers such as, well, the most spiritual thing that I do is pray. I pray sometimes when the when, when the circumstances of my life are difficult, or I pray at the beginning of the day, or I pray over my meals, or you know there may be different times I pray before I go to sleep at night, and, and and you might look at that activity of your life and say that's the most spiritual thing that I do. Some of you would say you know the most spiritual thing I do is have my time with God when I'm confessing Him, saying Lord, I recognize You're my Lord and Savior, and I confess and ask that You would forgive me of my sins. That's the most spiritual thing I do. Some of you might might say, you know what, it's when we have communion in church that's the most spiritual thing I do. Others of you who, who love to express yourself in song and words might say, the most spiritual thing I do is engaging in worship and praise when I come to church. Others of you would say, no. For me, the most spiritual thing I do is when I read my Bible and God begins to speak to me.
1: Or maybe for some of you, it's just the most spiritual thing I do is I just come to church.
0: I just, I just show up. And here's the thing. Whatever stands as your most spiritual moment was preceded by something else. It was preceded by a decision. You chose to pray before you prayed. You chose to confess to the Lord your sins before you did so. You chose to come to communion. You chose to engage in worship and singing. You chose to read your Bible. You chose to come to church. And so the most spiritual significant act that you have within your life lies within your choice. And whether you consider yourself a spiritual person or not, you must understand that every choice that you make is a sacred act. It is the most powerful and precious gift that God has given to you. You have been given the power to choose. In fact, you cannot understand the Scriptures if you do not understand that the central theme is that God created humanity in His image and in His likeness. And because we were created in the image and likeness of God, we have been given the power by God to choose and the most significant choice you will ever make is to choose to live every single significant moment in Scripture is centered around a choice and these are the words of Moses to the people that I want you to begin to turn to today in Deuteronomy chapter 30 I'm gonna begin reading verses 15 and 16 and verses 19 and 20 He had led them out of Egypt. They'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses was about to die. His leadership was about to be handed off to Joshua. And these are the last words, so to speak, that He gives to them. And here is our text. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I have commanded you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, And to keep His commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. Verse 19. This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessings and cursings. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to His voice and hold fast to Him, for the Lord is your life and He will give you many years in the land that He swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I find that these are moments where everything begins to come into perspective. And you get clarity into how life actually happens. There are a lot of people, and I talk to them on a daily basis, that are really, really confused about how God works. We may believe in God, and we may say that we have faith in God, but we really don't understand how this life of faith plays out. Because often the questions that I get are things like this. What is God supposed to do? And what am I supposed to do? What is God's responsibility in my circumstances? And what are my responsibilities within my circumstances? And because of this misunderstanding, it leads us to times when we become disappointed in God because he doesn't come through the way that we thought he should. He doesn't come through the way that we expected Him to or in the way that we thought He should when we say, God, this is Your job and this is the way You're supposed to do it. But what if God is doing His part but He's waiting on you to do Your part? What if you have actually confused the roles and you thought God was supposed to do something that He specifically created you to do. You see, at the beginning of the story, there's Adam and Eve. They are created by God, and they are put into paradise. And you may not know this, because oftentimes this is not something that is publicly proclaimed very often, but the first command that God gives them in Scripture is not about the things that they can't do. The first command that God gives them in Scripture is not the don't. And oftentimes we live in a world, don't we, where people think that our God is a don't God. They say, oh, you're a Christian. That means that you don't do this and you don't do that and you can't do this and you can't have fun. And and we've got this image of our God that he is a don't and can't God. Do you realize that the very first command that he gave after he created Adam and Eve and he puts them into paradise was not one that he would get a reputation for being a don't God. But he actually is a do God. The opening command when God places him in the garden is this, in Genesis 2.16, eat freely. Now I, I don't know about you, but I can go for a God that tells me to eat freely. You're my God, I'm your son. Love that part, love that part. How can you not love a God who the first thing that he says to the people he's created, enjoy a good meal and eat freely the entire narrative of Genesis is that God created us to choose he created us with choice God created this place and said eat freely there are endless numbers of good choices and only one destructive choice Because that's the way God is. He gives us so much freedom to choose in life that when we see Him through eyes clearly, we recognize that He's not a don't God. He's a do God. You see, the life that He plans to give is not one that limits your choices. The life that He plans for us is to increase our choices. And of course, we look at the... We look at the Scripture, we see the story, and we recognize that they made the one choice that stole life from them. And the question then becomes this, why would God give choice if He knew we were going to make a bad choice? Why would God give us a choice if He knew We were going to make bad choices. And there's only one reason, and this is important. There's only one reason why God would create us with choice. It is because He loves us. God loves you enough to give you a choice. You see, if God just wanted us to get it right, He would not have given us a free will. If God just wanted us to get it right then He would have made us in such a way that we were incapable of getting it wrong. If God just wanted you to do it His way, He would have become a cosmic micromanager of life, and He did not need to give you a free will. The only reason free will needs to exist is because you can't force somebody to love you. And every one of us who have ever had our heart broken in a relationship in life, knows that when we thought maybe we can force somebody to love us love has to be a free choice so god created you to choose in that freedom and this is the tricky thing just because you're free to choose does not mean that your choices bring you freedom think about that for a minute just because you are free to choose does not mean that your choices create for you freedom you can actually be free to choose and the choices that you make abdicate your freedom you can choose to become a captive you can choose to do things that will take your freedom from you so we look at this and say then then why is there all these don'ts that we see now i'm a parent how many of you are parents today there are many of you that are parents As a parent, it fascinates me that the first things our kids learn from us is no and don't. Rarely do we have parents that are always saying to their kids, yes, do. And the reason for that is as we become parents and grandparents and and overseers, we understand the don'ts. You see, parents are don't people. Don't play with fire. Don't stick scissors into the electrical outlet. Don't cross the street without looking both ways. You know, there are a number of us that grew up in the day and age where we, we actually rode bicycles without helmets and without knee pads. Some of us have scars on our heads and knees. We survived those years. But there were a lot of things our parents told us to not do. And let me tell you how I know that your parents were don't parents. You're still alive. You wouldn't be here today if they hadn't been don't parents. And here's the reason that they gave you the don'ts. They gave you the don'ts because they didn't want one of your don'ts to steal all of your future dues. They gave you the don'ts. Because they didn't want one of those decisions to steal your future dues. They didn't want you to make a decision that would destroy your future. They wanted you to make decisions that would allow you to step into your future. So you see, when God says in this command to eat freely, I want you to be free. But in that freedom, we have to make choices that change the narrative. And we have done so. Adam and Eve did so. We are the ones that brought death and destruction into the human story. It wasn't God. And God is getting blamed for a lot of things today in our world that we chose to do. And we sit back and we say, How can a loving God allow all these things? Have any of you ever asked that question? And have any of you ever ever been asked that question? And we can trace it right back to the very beginning and say, God allowed us to choose. He loves us enough to give us the freedom to choose. And in those choices, we have abdicated our freedom in many, many different cases. And so God says, listen. Much of what you're experiencing today was not my decision. It was brought on in the human story by your choices. And that's why it's clear when he says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Now, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm a realist. All of you are dying. From the moment that you were born, you are on a journey that will end in the death of every one of us. And destruction is everywhere around us, particularly in the last several days as we've been watching the news and hearing the things that are taking place around the world. Our planet is in disarray. Humanity only seems to know how to tell the story of destruction and hate. And there are people that will say, how can God exist when there's hatred and disease and injustice and racism and destruction on such massive levels? And that is what causes people to believe that there is no God. And if it is, then people have missed the point that all of this exists as a result of one bad choice. One bad choice. Or maybe God says to us, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And the real answer is that he puts that before us is because he knows that without his help, all that is ahead of us is death and destruction. And so he came to give us another option because he's a God of choices. And recognizing that we had run out of choices because of a bad decision, he intervenes himself in our world so that we have another option that might very well lead us to life and prosperity. And so God came to bring the life and prosperity into an equation because He wants to give us a future and a hope. And so He says, so choose life. Choose life. You see, the minutes have moments. And those moments have choices. And those choices have power. The word moment has a couple of really interesting nuances. One is the word moment and the other is the word, the fact that the word momentum comes from the word moment. Oftentimes we think of of moments as stationary, and that's not the way this word was intended to be. Moments always have movement. The second nuance of this word is it comes from the Greek word that we get our word Adam from. And from the word atomos, which is the Greek word that is used as a moment. An atom is the smallest particle. This moment is an atom of time, but inside this atom of time comes the word atomic. In other words, there is potential for explosiveness in every moment that God allows us to have choice. Every moment has potential. And the smallest unit of time has the capacity to shake eternity. It is the perfect picture of what is hidden in the moment of your choices and how you choose. Statistics tell us, I find this interesting, that the average person, and I'm not sure where they got this from, I'm just quoting it as I read it. I haven't had a chance to research all of this that we make 773,618 decisions over a lifetime. I'm sure they've averaged that because some of you make more, some of you make less. You will make three quarter of a million decisions over your lifetime. I, I, I do wanna share with you the good news out of this is that you will only come to regret 143,262 of those. The typical adult makes 27 judgments a day. And I don't know if if it is the 143,000 decisions that we come to regret that will really haunt us or the ones that we think about the most. But I do believe that God is saying what you do need is that you need courage every day for the choices that you make. All of those moments slipped away. All of those moments where... We look back at some of those decisions and say, if I just knew now, if I just knew then what I know now, I would make a different decision. What I thought was a right decision based on different sets of circumstances, now that I look back at that, are different. And that is one of the reasons why in community together, we lean on the wisdom of those who are older than us, who have lived life longer than us. This is why we tell our children when they say to you, you know, in these moments of rebellion, they look at you and say, I have the right to make my own mistakes. And you're going, oh, but you don't have to. Well, you got to make your mistakes. Yes. And it's one of those 173,000 decisions that I regret today. That I would like to lead you to a place where you don't have to go through those things. And frankly, one of my concerns today is that we live in a day and age where There is such disrespect among our younger generation as it relates to the wisdom of those who are older. As we begin to see biblical wisdom filter away in so many of these things. But we choose to give advice based on the fact that we know that those moments are going to create momentum and that we relinquish that responsibility when we don't seek God with those things. And so here we sit today in a moment that can create momentum depending on the choice you make with what God gives you. And then lastly, don't get stuck in a bad moment. I think what happens to many of us is that we make choices in the past, and those choices have momentum. And even though we're trying now to make new choices, and, and we even heard that a little bit today in some of the testimonies that we heard about, I am so glad that God intervened and gave me an opportunity to make a choice that was to choose life over what I had been experiencing in the past. But I've discovered that there are a lot of people that seem to be living in a bad moment. It's almost as if they can't escape the momentum of some of their past choices. And I think what happens is that sometimes we determine to make our worst moments, our worst choices, the ones that we get stuck in. And we feel as if we have been held captive by our worst choices and our worst moment. And while you're stuck in that moment, it haunts you and it attaches itself to you. And you feel... As if you are defined by that worst decision and worst moment. And the result of that is that we live in a world where people don't see much of a future for themselves. Because they've chosen to define themselves by their worst moment. I want you to know this is the power and the wonder of who God is. God understands that we make choices that create momentum and consequences. But you don't have to be defined by your worst moment. There is a way out of that moment. And He is giving you a choice to make a decision that changes everything. And he doesn't just allow you to turn over a new leaf. He said, when you make the choice for me, I make you a brand new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. Not a few things. All of you becomes brand new. I want you to know There is a way out of your moment. And if you are watching me online today and you are sitting in your living room or in your house and you feel defined today by the worst moment of your life or the worst decision, I want you to know there is a way out of that moment and God will lead you to something brand new because God says, See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I have commanded you to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, decrees and laws, Then you will live and increase. I want you to see what the benefits of obedience are in the middle of this choice. He said, if you choose me, you will live and you will increase. Don't know about you, but based on death and destruction, living or increasing, I like this choice a whole lot better. It makes a whole lot more sense. But I want you to see that God never gives you a command He never gives you a decree and he never speaks into your life trying to limit you. He always tries to increase you. He gives you choices and life that are always for more and not less. Jesus today wants you to understand that he is the door. He is the door. And if you come to him and you walk through him, you will discover that he is the door that opens to life. He's not the door that keeps you from life. He's the door that opens to joy. He's not the door that keeps you from joy. He's the joy that brings you into a prosperous soul. He's not the the door that keeps you from any of those things. And he recognizes and he wants you to know today that if you choose Jesus, then you are... Choosing a door that gives you innumerable good choices to make once you go past that. I told you a couple of weeks ago, the salvation experience was never meant to be a destination. It was meant to be an introduction. You open the door and you enter into the life of Jesus and you grow from there and you go from there and you enjoy the choices that he allows you from you from there. You don't just stand in the door and say, I'm saved, I've made it and I will stay here. Verse 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. I look at it and say, Why would God call the heavens and the earth as a witness against us? It's almost as if God knew that we were going to accuse Him of only bringing death. It's almost as if He knew that there were going to be people that were going to be in this world that's going to blame everything bad that happens on him, that this is all his fault, that we were given no choice, that we were given no opportunity. And he is saying, I want you to know that I am bringing heaven and earth as a witness that I gave you a choice. You see, death already exists. Destruction is everywhere. There's pain already in this world. And God says to us today, now choose life. And this is where it begins. There are certain things that only God can do. But there are certain things that God cannot do for you. You see, God already chose life. And ironically, it was through his death. Through his death, he provides us the opportunity of life. But now he stands and the scripture says he's knocking at the door waiting for you to answer. And he's saying for you, if you'll answer the door, you can choose life. He's already chosen for you a future with a hope and increase. He's already chosen for you life, but he is waiting for you to choose it. And some of you will say, well, why doesn't God just fix everything and just give it to me? I mean, isn't that what grandparents do? They just fixed everything and give us everything. Why, why doesn't he just do that? And the reason is because God has too much respect for you to steal from you the power to choose. He simply gives you the option. And he says, you can choose life or not. God wants you to own the power and responsibility of your own choice so that when this life is over and you stand before him to give an account for your life, he will remind you of the moments that could have been defining moments in your life. He will remind you of everything that he did and say, here is that moment when you could choose and you either chose life or you chose death it's not his fault it's your choice worship team if you please come there are some things that you didn't get to choose in your life you didn't choose the parents that you were given you didn't get to choose where you were born I didn't get to choose the combination of ethnicities that I am I didn't get to choose whether I was born male or female and those are the only two choices I didn't get to choose whether I was tall or short. I didn't get to choose many things about myself. But from this moment on, everybody in this room will know, you did get to choose whether you lived or not. You did get to choose what to do with Jesus. And someday you will stand before God and you will give an account what you did in this moment whether or not you chose to accept the life that he offers you or whether you chose to remain in death and destruction. And some of you are battling it in your mind going, I I have been told all of my life that God is a God of don'ts, that he's a God that robs. Remember who told you that? It was Satan and he is the father of all lies. There's no truth in him. so choose life here's the tricky part and I conclude with this I believe that part of what the decision is today for so many people is they would choose life if they didn't have to choose God they said you know what I, I want all that God offers because that that's so good I just don't want to give my life to God. Can I have what He has without having Him? Oh, how arrogant. How arrogant and entitled. And so many people are in the dilemma, I need the things that God offers, but I don't want God invading my life or the expectations that I would have to live for Him. And here's the problem. God cannot give you life apart from Himself because God does not give life. God is life. He is life. He exists, and when you exist in him, you exist in life. He can't give you something that's a part of himself and not give him all of himself to you. And the only way to step into life is to step into him. He doesn't give love, he is love. You can't experience his love unless you step into him completely for it. And so we're asking him, Give me pieces of you, but not all of you. And he says, I'm incapable of that. That's the choice. You step into me completely. Or you choose not to. But it is your choice. Everything that you're, so, that you're so longs for, that you're so desperate for in life, is not something God gives to you. It is Him Himself. And so today, He says, the choice is you or yours. So choose life.